Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. I'm very excited about today's show. We're doing a format that we have not done before in any of the 71 uh, episodes before this, and that is where we're having two guests on at the same time. They happen to be coupled, but uh, this will be a very interesting experiment, and I want to introduce our guests and create a powerful context for your listening. So one of our guests you may have met before on an earlier episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Her name is Amoda Ma, and I'm going to call her Amoda with her permission today. And her beloved Kavi, who is on our show for the first time. And uh, the way this came into existence was uh, at the end of my interview with Amoda several weeks ago, we were talking and I said, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you and Kavi so that people can learn a little bit more about uh, conscious relationship, conscious intimate relationships, because so many of us on the path, that is a big deal for us. And uh, Amoda was open and she checked with Kavi and they're both willing. And uh, so here we are. Um, those of you probably know Amoda uh, a little bit from the prior show. She's a currently functioning as a spiritual guide for many people around the world. And uh, she shared with me that Kavi travels with her to her uh, satsangs and teaching engagements and uh, makes everything work and uh, handles the, uh, the audio video as well. And uh, that Kavi has a lot of uh, talents and accomplishments in his own right that uh, I'll give him an opportunity to share when he introduces himself. So let's go ladies first and let me turn it over to Amoda to introduce herself again in the context of this conversation. So Amoda, welcome to, once again, welcome to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Hello, David, and thank you for having me on your show again. Um, uh, well, Many of you might know me as the author of Embodied Enlightenment. Let me hold it up here. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I speak about relationship quite a, a lot in the book. There's, there's quite a substantial few chapters on that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll explore some of those, um, you know, teachings or pointers in that. And it's often an area that isn't... Uh, addressed in spiritual inquiry so uh hopefully this this conversation will be very helpful uh for many people okay kavi would you introduce yourself to our viewing and listening audience 
Yeah, um, David, thank you for uh, for this um, invitation. It, uh, it, it, it's it's it's. I feel that this is being included more and more in a modus teaching. This uh, this exploration of um, of relationship and what it means. So. You know, I'm a willing participant. I'm not being dragged against my uh, against my best best wishes or anything like that. So I just wanted to say that um, before anything else. I'm I'm a yeah. I'm the background scene behind Amoda's um, teaching and meetings. So I do all the practical stuff. But as you say, I'm a person and a being in my own right. I'm a poet and primarily a musician, have been a musician for a very long time. So Kavi is a, is a Sanskrit name for poetic uh, nature, for he of a poetic nature, or it can mean poem. So I come, I'm, I'm coming at this conversation and this exploration from that place, I think, not from some practical breakdown of what it means to be in this conscious relationship you know i'm not really a how-to guy you know i'm i'm somewhat deeper than that somehow and i i don't really come with answers i come with an openness to 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 share some of my experience my my personal experience if you like if that if that adds anything to the conversation and because it has been these last 15 years or so such a, a, a deep journey for me, then I, I do feel that it's a it's a conversation that's becoming uh, very relevant in today's world and a very juicy one. And it's you know life is 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 barreling us all into what it means to relate honestly, truthfully, openly, both in intimate relationship, but ultimately all relationships have the propensity to be intimate. So. It's not just about the beloved, you know, my beloved or this special relationship or anything. It's about a bigger, a bigger picture of how we're all relating to this seeming other. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm always up for the, for the inquiry. And uh, so I, I'm, I come very willingly and I'm real glad to be here. Great. Um, we're definitely on the same page in uh where we want to go here. So um, I don't want to just rehash the material, the wonderful material that's in Emoda's book. I'd like this conversation to complement that. Uh, I'd like to ground the material in your, in your personal story. Um, and I'd like to kind of weave the conversation. Uh, hopefully I'll do a good job of seamlessly integrating the story of your lives into the uh, essence that the story points to. But let's begin a little bit with the story. Uh, my experience tells me that people who have the kind of relationship you have, have done a lot of inner work on themselves for many years prior to the, this relationship so that there is more of an openness of possibility. Uh, with that key idea, and I could be wrong here, but with that key idea, I'd like to give you 
each an opportunity to to tell your story of your relationship, but not so much starting at the beginning of your relationship, starting a little bit before that, uh, so that the viewers and listeners can get a sense of what I'm pointing at here, that um, that that the that that connecting with this nexus of this type of relationship is a combination of a type of grace combined with um, a lot of personal commitment to doing a lot of inner work to make that connection possible to drop into human affairs. And so I'd love you to talk about your relationship history in the context of what we're talking about here, of being available to each other. Amoda. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Well, <clears throat> relationships played a, a major part in my life. Um, you know, the looking for relationship, the looking for, the looking for the special relationship and the, the driving motive of the perfect one, the special one, the soulmate. And and underneath that, the the, the looking to feel loved, the wanting to feel loved. And so, so relationships were very long-term for me. All my relationships have been, have been long-term and all of them were problematic. Um, and um, the, 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 the relationship that I had before meeting Kavi was, was a major one. Uh, it lasted 10 years. It was very intense. And that was the one where I really worked on relationship. We went to relationship counseling. We did Tantra, um, all sorts of modalities to, to transform the relationship into, um, I wouldn't say more love because the love was there. The passion was there and, and an intimacy but it was always a battle. It was always painful. It, we, we were always hurting each other. We were always triggered. So I guess it was to transform the triggers into a, into a sweetness um, and into a calm and into a peace. But after 10 years of that, I saw that what I was, it, well, it sort of crept up on me, that, that what I was doing was really, uh, over identifying with the idea of a soulmate over identifying with this is the one he's the one for me and and in in that it meant that I wasn't being true to myself um, because I was scared of losing him I was scared of losing that special relationship because my identity was wrapped up in it. If I have the special relationship, then I must be perfect. 
I must be good enough. I must be lovable. And this, this kind of revealed itself over time. So yes, there was a lot of inner work that went on. Did it make any difference to that relationship? Well, yes and no. It, it forced us to, to, to bring an end to the relationship. It exploded very dramatically and ended very unexpectedly. So it felt at the time that all that work had failed. But when I look back on it, all that inner work um, led to that point, to that crisis point, and allowed me or, or forced me to fall back into my aloneness, something that I hadn't touched on before that, um, in relationship or not in relationship. And in that aloneness, that's where the, the, the real transformation happened. It had nothing to do with any modality. It had nothing to do with any uh, therapy and it had nothing to do with any teaching. And we spoke about this on the last in the conversation, David, when I talked about awakening out of the dream of separation. So, so the, 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 problems if you like or the the hardships and the heartbreak of relationship led to that point um and after that in meeting the the abyss of aloneness which was triggered by the relationship but actually was not about the relationship. That's when true intimacy started to happen. An intimacy that had nothing to do with looking for a relationship. It had nothing to do with anyone else. It had nothing to do with uh, feeling loved or wanting love or needing to be lovable because I was able to love without form. Um, so that's, that's an openness. That's an openness that doesn't have any seeking mechanism in it, that doesn't have any need in it, that doesn't have any um, expectation in it. And it was only in that or after that that Cavi entered my life and relationship was on a whole different dimension. Um, so, and, and you spoke about grace <laughs> and, and to me that was grace. Yeah. It, it, it seemed that, I, that, you know, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I wasn't needing relationship. And again, I, I touched on it last time when I said at that point I was married to God the inner marriage had happened. There was absolutely nothing more that could fulfill uh, love. There was nothing more that could fulfill completeness. Um, I was open as love, which was impersonal and therefore didn't have to be attached or focused on any other individual. And 
so when so when Cavi came into my life and a relationship formed out of that a very human real <laughs> down-to-earth relationship formed out of that that was a huge surprise um, and 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 perhaps these are threads that we'll explore but I would say that that is not a conscious relationship that's beyond conscious relationship what do you call it um, so if we were to make a distinction for our conversation uh, I, I would love to have a phrase that resonates more deeply with you because I think that will open up the conversation. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll use the phrase that I, that I used in my book, which, um, you know, initially I, I wasn't sure if that was the right phrase, but I'm, I'm coming to terms with it myself. I would call it enlightened relationship. Conscious relationship still has an element, and it, that includes, that embraces conscious relationship, but conscious relationship implies or still has within it two individuals coming together to meet consciously so there's an element of still working on the relationship and what i'm speaking of here when i point to enlightened relationship and again this will probably unfold as both of us start speaking about this it's beyond that it's a, it's a different dimension which doesn't really it isn't about two two people uh finding ways to be conscious with each other but you're not implying that you or Kavi never get triggered. I don't know. Kavi can substantiate this, but I don't know if I ever get triggered by Kavi. We, 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 he and I were speaking about this the other day. I, I, I never... And, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Kavi, because it's sometimes hard to be totally objective about this. But I never take umbrage against anything he does or says. I never retract from anything he does or says. Is because that true? I think, I think this is an important distinction <laughs> because, because if this is a teaching that's going to be relevant for today's world, um, if you're, if the possibility that you're being and inviting people into is a relationship where people never get triggered with each other, that is so far beyond where most people live that it, um, it isn't going to seem possible for most people. And therefore, from a teaching standpoint, from the function of a teacher that's building bridges, uh, my hunch is, is that that's too radical a leap for just about everybody right now. And so if that's your invitation, um, I think as a teacher, there has to be more than just the invitation. Yes, and I totally agree. So there are two things going on here. One is uh, the, the bigger picture of the whole journey of relationship, which, uh, if you want to say, my teaching embraces all of that 
and there are many pointers, which is why I refer back to the book, which explores everything, right from the, the unconscious relationship, the, the, the codependent relationship, the triggered relationship, the, the, the conscious relationship, right through to a new paradigm, which is what I'm speaking of. I'm, I'm speaking about all of it. If you ask me directly about my relationship and where I am with it, you'll get a different, you'll, you, you'll get the answer at this spectrum end of the spectrum because I have to be true to that and honest to that so I you know I, I don't I don't see this conversation as really focusing just on my relationship or our relationship and Kavi will have his own things to say about that but I have to say from where I am because yeah. for me I'm speaking from the foundation of awakeness I'm speaking from the foundation of having merged with the totality of existence in which there is no boundary, no border and no enemy. So I can only be true to that. Right. Within that, there are pointers and that includes the places where there are triggers. But I can tell you from here as love, there are no triggers. Right. There are other triggers in my life. There are minor triggers in my life and there have been. And so, yeah, but when I'm talking about my relationship with Kavi, there are not. <laughs> so, so we right. can dance, we can dance around that. Yeah. Because I, I have, I have, I am in, I have this, this relationship has, has emerged in me as me, as the openness of love. It's not prior to awakening. It's after awakening. And it was a complete surprise. So it has right. a very different quality. And I know that that is a possibility as a new paradigm of relationship that is emerging. Leading up to that new paradigm, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of pointers to people who are being triggered. And my invitation is how to, how to be in that trigger so we can explore that. That's beautiful. You know, I think... Um... One of the things that's unique about your journey, and we talked about this in our first conversation, is the, uh, the radical scope of your awakening. You know, many people who awaken have a radical awakening in relation to self as an individual. And then over time, that, ex that matures into larger dynamics. Uh, authenticity as relationship, authenticity as as group, as community, uh, etc. Um, I think one of the things that was very interesting about your awakening was the scope of your radical awakening, and it's not it's not it's unusual. It's not a common occurrence for human beings at this point in time and space in this time-space coordinate and therefore as a teacher uh, that that has implications and so uh, as a teacher myself I'm 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 kind of dual tracking here I'm listening to you as a person but that I'm also listening to this as a useful teaching for others um, but I love that you are where you are, and I love that you're standing for the possibility of where you are. And uh, I think it puts an empowering context into all the other stages that you point to and gives 
a dignity and a grace to the process. So I think it's all very important. And I think I like where this conversation is going because I think we're opening up some important distinctions here. Um, let's, uh, let's bring Kavi into the conversation and I'm sure his, uh, I'm sure his wonderful being will have an interesting take on all of this. <laughs> okay. I've been listening to what Amoda said, and I and I have got some responses to that end dialogue that you guys had about the triggers. So if I forget anything, please remind me to come back to that. Okay. But I I, I also want to just you know because of your your question just lay a bit of groundwork about some of where where i've come from praising that with some of the difficulty that i that i that i sit here with because from from my perspective not as a teacher i'm not a teacher i'm i'm a poet i'm a human being i'm a musician i don't come from a teacher perspective where i where i funnel things down into a into into a coherent teaching I'm, I'm, I prefer sometimes incoherence. I prefer the mess. I prefer chaos in, 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 in many ways because I'm, I'm sort of more into beauty. But so what I mean is it's very hard to, to see from my perspective now all of the influences, all of the impacts, all of the past history of my human movement from from birth through puberty through adolescence into the chaos of my of my 20s and 30s and then coming out and all of these shapes and patterns that then led me to be in a position where i i was openly so openly available and on a certain level destroyed enough to be available for this thing that happened between Amoda and I, and and I have to corroborate that with, I was completely unprepared for this depth of what's transpired between us. I had no, I had experience of love on what one might call the relative level of this personal love in previous relationships. I've fallen deeply in love with, with these beautiful women, but it had just brought up the things that you were talking about, which was endless triggers because of past wounding. And then there'd be the, the down spiral of those relationships as we are unable, the two of us, to deal with them effectively. So they'd, they'd you know, they'd pretty much fall into disintegration or, or dysfunctionality. Most of my relationships became dysfunctional, although there was a lot, lot of love there. But I guess what happened to me was that in, in you know, we started working together, Amoda and I, that's, that's kind of on the practical level. I was a musician. And I started playing for some um, transformational work that she was doing then. And I started playing for her as a musician. 
prior to that, that was in, in like 2001, 2002, prior to that, I'd started a journey of my own personal transformation, because that was what your question really was, in about 1994, 95, and that had involved uh, a chance encounter with a, sh a shaman in Wales, in Great Britain, who, who I spent about two years with a wild Celtic shaman uh, who was extraordinary and extraordinarily wrathful. And he, for two years, pretty much tore me apart and, and not psychologically, just as the self that I thought that I was, shredded it completely and, and, and blasted me open. And one of the things that I do want, want to say about that was that he introduced me to Rumi mm -hmm. on a level that was, that was not a, the, the, the let's study it at university. We did Rumi on a let's devour it and, and digest it and in, in, in maybe in the hope that we'll become it. And I did that pretty much coherently for two years. And some of that was just laying the foundation I, I realized subsequently so that when I met this, this, this new being in my life called Amoda, I was ill-prepared, prepared, both things. That's, that, that was kind of then what happened, you know, uh, and, and the, the impact of, of, of meeting her, of working with her was not that, you know, I suddenly felt attracted to her and, oh, she's, you know, she, she's the one for me or anything like that. No, it was, it was, it was because it, we were working together. It, it operated on a very different level. It came from somewhere else. It, it came from the mystical world to me. It was an, an entirely, the first three years, four years of our life was an entirely mystical experience. That's, that's the, the, one of the ways of, of giving it some context. And I was just sh shattered. It destroyed the whole of my life. It destroyed the relationship that I had been in, which was a uh, a, ma a marriage of sorts. It was a sacred marriage, not a not a, a, a legal marriage, and um, it, it it just couldn't compete with the resonance of what was happening. This new thing that was happening to me. It wasn't like old love. It was some new vibration that was coming up from the very ground itself, and it it was compulsive, and it it seemed to trigger that Rumi-esque part of me that brought that out to the very surface. And so, you know, just continuing that, when I met her, she, she, she seemed to be a, a creature who um, didn't need me. In, and she, she said that, that, you know, she said, I've, you know, I'm, I've had, well, she didn't even say I've had an experience. It wasn't even in that way. It was just like, who, who are you? What are you? I don't understand any of this. But all I know, there was, there was this poet in me that, that, that wanted to make her laugh, that wanted to, to 
entertain her with some wit. So it brought out the fool in me. It brought out the, you know, the, you see, you get, I hope you get a fragrance of, of what I'm talking about because that's the thing about it, you know, what Amoda says about it not being conscious relationship. I'm an integral part of, of, of how this relationship works. And I'm not talking about conscious or unconscious. I weave more into the poetry of it. I think we've, we're in danger of losing our poetic natures in, this, in, the, in, in these rather, rather superficial societies or these you know, preoccupied societies. And I make a, a bid for, not, not even consciously, just to get that in the DNA. We've got it, we've got poetry and beauty in our DNA and we neglect it at our, at our, at our cost. So having said that, just the, 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 the question that I wanted to, you to remind me about, which is triggers. <laughs> we'll come on to this a bit more, but no, she doesn't. No, she never has. She's never seemed to have been triggered by me. And what about you? Yes. I, when, when I embarked on the relationship, when the relationship started happening, there were the first three or four years, as they usually are in a relationship. And, and, and then, you know, the old kind of gremlins, one, I felt that, yeah, they started coming up a bit. And then something happened, David, one day, something happened we you know where i'm going with this emoda we were in a cafe in london sitting and i was you know something had happened and and i know that i was triggered i i could feel that i didn't have the awareness that oh well, it's a trigger i'd better deal with it i just felt you know i used to have a problem with being in cafes and in 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 open view of everybody else because i was i was quite wounded by my father's uh, experience and he was a he was a private man and quite shame based and and i attacked amoda verbally you're you do you know you doing this and everything like that and it was a funny it was a funny moment because what, what i actually saw as the words hit her was that there was a retraction on her part or a, a withdrawal on her part as though it was like some sea anemone some coral thing some crack a clam or something like that that when when the words hit it just went like this and I, I, I saw the effect suddenly. I, honestly, it, would, it was like, it, in retrospect, it was an enlightening moment. In retrospect, it was extraordinarily powerful because I saw how hearts close. I saw how we, we do this in the, in the guise of righteousness, in the guise of, you know, these I understand. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I, maybe because it was love, maybe because of, it was grace, maybe all of these maybes, but I just realized that I couldn't do it. I couldn't have that impact on love anymore in my life. And, and so I, 
I surrendered it. I consciously surrendered it. And that set me up then on a subsequent path uh, of surrendering it, of seeing it and surrendering it, seeing it, surrendering it. That was my part in the conscious movement on my part. And I, and I've, and I've, I, I, I guess I've done it. <laughs> well, you know, from what you've shared so far, there's enough material for about four or five more major meetings. <laughs> but uh, let me just say a few things that uh, that brings up for me. Well, first of all, it's it was a really good move on my part to suggest that you be part of this conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, I was reminded, you know, the great philosopher Martin Heidegger. He, um, you know, he talked about being shattered ontologically before, and uh, you know, Heidegger did some great work when he was younger in that area. His famous treatise on being and time. And then as he got older, he became a little more bitter and cynical. And uh, he was basically frustrated that he couldn't communicate. And uh, he finally said, maybe this is better left to the poets. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think what he was saying is that um, it's the presence of it that touches and um, mm. so I get it. And uh, a, a couple things I wanted to say is that obviously your stories validate my comments at the beginning about a lot of interpersonal individual work done prior to meeting, uh, but then also the graceful component where consciously it's surprising. And uh, you know, the fact that Emoda wasn't triggered by your trigger, but yet there was this organic shift in her calibration of energy that you could sense. I think this points to so many things that are so vital for the possibilities we're talking about. You know, one thing I see is that when one person is more evolved than another in a particular area, the willingness and ability for that person to hold sacred space for the relationship is vital. And then to have the courage to, um, to, to take it. You know, she took your abuse in a way that she wasn't a victim of it, but she didn't, she wasn't reactive either. She created a space where you could see the impact you were having and you could be touched by your own perception of that impact. That is a profound gift. Uh, and, uh, you know, the only other time I've come across that teaching in relationship is the teaching of David Data, mm. where he talks about the opportunity, it's usually the woman, that the woman has to consciously choose to make herself vulnerable knowing that it'll probably hurt at some level, but knowing that that is the best way to catalyze the healing that needs to happen to move toward what Amoda is calling enlightened relationship. 
And that level of surrender and trust is, like I mentioned before, we're talking, we're in pretty rarefied territory here. We're talking about levels of being that are not common in our culture at this time, but it's really thrilling to uh, hear both of you uh, talk about your human journey to be able to anchor some of these pretty esoteric ideas into human life because you know that personal essence that shows up um, in human life when it's appropriate from a infinite spacious kind of a space um, that's a beautiful thing and um, and, and I want to segue, use that as a segue into, uh, I told Imoda that one of the things I wanted to talk about was in the context of what, everything we're talking about, I wanted to talk about sex and, the, and sexuality because, you know, there are many and viewpoints that I think have validity that uh, sexuality is the play of polarity and uh, and that in sexual union, it's the love that's ultimately the voiding of that polarity into into unity. Um, and so many people would say, "Well, geez, when people are in the space Amoda is in, is there polarity left? And therefore, is there sexuality left, as we would think of it in human terms? And if so, What's that all about? And if not, how's that working for you? So, <laughs> so, so those kinds of questions are things I want to explore. The whole possibility of passion and desire as an expression of natural motion as opposed to uh, uh, an attachment to polarity, uh, whether that exists or whether that's a dream of mine um, and how that shows up in, in human relationships, how it shows up in your relationships. And I don't want you to go anywhere that you guys don't want to go in terms of your privacy. I honor that. But to whatever extent it's appropriate, uh, I think this would be a really powerful discussion to have. No, Dara. Yeah. Are you, will you will you take that one first? I'll try. Okay. <laughs> we we are in uncharted ter territory and uh, in this exploration, and uh, I just want to say, David, you seem to have a penetrating insight into uh, the nature of our relationship here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, so um, it just seems that it's inevitable if one person is in a space beyond polarity and the other person is not totally there yet, there has to be some accommodations. Yeah. There. Again, I'll, I'll say it again. I think we're in un uncharted territory because uh, probably, maybe, and, and I can't say categorically because I haven't done a statistical investigation of this, but um, Kavi and I are probably uh, in some ways at the leading edge of a, of a, of a new new dimension of relating in which polarity is uh, no longer the driving 
um, attraction. Um, and before I sort of say what, what is possible in this, in, the, in this new dimension, what it gives rise to, what it gives birth to, I also need to say that sexuality or, or, the, or sexual energy needs to be experienced so that all elements of suppression of that energy are purified. So it's, you know, it's, it's no good, um, if you like, jumping into where Kavi and I are at because it's a spiritual ideal. Um, and in my personal experience, I have explored probably as many dimensions of sexuality as can be explored uh, through my various relationships and uh, through various modalities that work with sexuality as a doorway to both conscious relationship to union and uh, uh, expanded energetic states. So I don't speak from a place of uh, repression. Uh, I don't speak from a place of uh, morality in terms of sexuality because that has been uh, completely blasted open in me. Um, I won't give you the details of what I've done and where I've been with all that, but uh, perhaps for those listeners who, who might be aware that I was a, a disciple of Osho for a while and uh, still hold him as my uh, true teacher or master in this lifetime in my heart, um, you, 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 then you might know how, how far one can go in exploring sexuality um, it, you know, when, when you're part of that. So um, that's one side of it. Um, and I think that for everyone in relationship, those areas that are, uh, are um, unfulfilled or unexplored or unexpressed in sexuality need to be explored if, it, if that's possible. Now, I can't remember where this conversation is leading. I think you asked me a question. <laughs> so the question was, is there sexuality as we know it in human terms beyond polarity? Or beyond polarity. And then the other part of the question was, if you're in a non-polarized state, but let's say Kavi is still partially polarized, do you create a space where he can continue okay. sexual exploration? <clears throat> and if so, you know... How does that work? So though that whole question about the, the, the issue of sexuality and polarity in general, and then the second is what relationship dynamics, if one person is there, but the other person is almost there, how do you help the almost there person? Okay, so, so um, yes, my experience is that when the polarity has... Um, you know, collapsed into itself, there's no more um, push and pull in a relationship. It's no longer based on that horizontal um, 
seeking for fulfillment either on a psychological level or on a physical level because they're one and the same thing so um, the, the seeking mechanism that drives sexuality the need for sexual fulfillment um, and is fueled by a bunch of hormones <clears throat> uh, in my experience just comes to an end um, there is no more a spiritual longing for fulfillment and coming home and that at oneness because I'm always in at oneness there's no need to create more intimacy because I'm always always intimate with what is um, I, I no, no longer reach out to Kabi as uh, uh, a man that can complete me or, 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 or give me anything more because he's not outside of me. He's in me all the time. He is me. So there's incredible tenderness and openness and intimacy always. It doesn't have to be fixated on uh, a physical fulfillment or an emotional fulfillment or physicality, physical union as a doorway to that. So all that has, has actually come to, to an end and something else is here, um, which we can, we can talk about. But your question about what happens when uh, the other isn't quite there, well, beautifully and gracefully in our relationship, we're both there. <laughs> at the same time. So it's not that there wasn't sexual passion for the first few years. It's not that there wasn't sexual attraction in the first few years. That was part of it. That all came flooding in, in the vast openness of Rumi-esque poetry and mysticism that was, that was here as part of our, our, our coming together. So it's not like we've been uh, physically unintimate, that we haven't gotten to know each other in that way. It was definitely part of our initial <clears throat> um, coming into the human relationship. Somehow, and again, surprisingly, in the same way that our relationship came together, uh, surprisingly and gracefully and, and gratefully, <laughs> um, it stopped for both of us at the same time. It fell away. It fell away. The, 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 the need for sexual um, fulfillment or, or exploration or, or, you know, uh, fell away for both of us at the same time. And what was born was something else. So, so my question goes back to those first three or four years where there was still sexual activity, but you had already had your major opening. It was more, it wasn't that there was a need for fulfillment in that. It, it was just such a celebration of this ecstatic uh, 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 experience of, of, of the human, uh, the divine, should I say, coming into the human. You know, I talked about being married to God and there was no need for anything else. But when Kavi sort of appeared in my life, and like he said, we had been working together, so we didn't know each other um, for a couple of years before that. But when one day it was obvious to both of us, not because we'd 
done anything or said anything or even that there was any sexual attraction at that point somehow we both knew that we were about to fall into a human relationship it sort of just came to us just as, as almost like a vision and and we both acknowledged it and at that point I was uh oh I'm not sure if I want this but I surrendered to it because it I knew in that moment that it was if I may say this God in human form that's yeah. what I'm getting at. God in human form, that, 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 that here was this incredible union and merging with God as the totality. And if, every, if, if, that's, if God is the totality, then he is every form that I experience. And here is the perfect form, another human being, another man, um, when I had, let, you know, I didn't want any other relationship. But I surrendered to it and trusted it and, and trusted in, in love, in, in, in love as the, as the bigger bowl, crucible that, that this relationship was forming. Then everything poured in, everything poured in, uh, just this ecstatic explosion of exploring each other in every single way, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, there wasn't anything that was hidden from each other. That's where a, a human intimacy came in. And it was like, and I keep doing this with my hands because it was like two, two balls of light just dancing around each other like this. And so there was no holding back of anything. So, so that was the exploration. And then one day, the physical dimension of, of sexual sexuality fell away now now somebody i've got to say this because somebody asked us this recently um well, does that mean you never touch each other absolutely not we're constantly touching each other we're constantly stroking each other we're co constantly caressing each other we're constantly entwined in each other it's just beautiful it's soft it's sweet it's tender it's intimate we're not shy of each other uh we run around naked you know there isn't a dimension of ourselves that we, we, we hold back, but there's no sexual polarity anymore. There's no need for fulfillment from that. And it's a relief because it opens up a whole other vertical dimension of union. This is beautiful. This is, <laughs> this is what I, this is what I wanted to get at because it goes back to my earlier discussion of building a bridge for other people this this distinction that there is this shall we say interim space where where the sexual expression is a celebration of the oneness so it doesn't have the scarcity consciousness but it still has some motion or passion that's substantiating itself physically and etherically that is that is exploring the play of that and is still working itself out. I wanted to bring this out because I believe that that is true. I've experienced that. And so I wanted to make a distinction that not all sexual expression is an expression of scarcity. Not all sexual expression yes. is an expression of suffering or reactivity. And yet at the same time, as you embody, if you go with it, it plays itself out very gracefully on the physical plane. And 
this is a complete, I'm so happy right now because this is a complete validation and elucidation of what I intuited to be so uh, that I have not seen in print and I have not seen in, in oral conversation. I mean, I was not a part of Osho's ashram. Maybe this was, maybe this is old news to you. But <laughs> to me, to me, this is a groundbreaking conversation that both personally for me as a person and in my role as a healer and teacher to be able to uh, access this conversation for myself and others is going to be very important. Yeah, and, and I'll just say, I'm sure Kavi has much to say about this too, but I'll just say that, you know, one of the, it's, it's just, you know, one of the fears that people might have consciously or unconsciously is that if the sexual dimension of their relationship goes, there'll be no more intimacy. And that's certainly, you know, true, you know, for the previous generations and for many people today that, that somehow the sexuality is what keeps the intimacy alive um, because it's the closest you can get to somebody else. And, and, and in the moment of, you know, uh, orgasm, there's a, there's a, there's a deep union where the self dissolves, but it's, it's a coming and going of that. So, uh, and that's never ultimately fulfilling. So I, I just want to say that, again, that it's not that this is a spiritual ideal or a spiritual, you know, this is where you need to be in order to be spiritual. It's just another possibility that needs to be brought into the conversation because we can tell you intimacy doesn't ever go. You know, if, you know, if sexuality was used as, as a tool for intimacy, then yes, then, then, then not having that sexual interaction will create a distance uh, and, and, a, and a barrier and, um, you know, a, a retraction back into self. But when, when there is such intimacy, and that, then that intimacy becomes the doorway for the, for the dissolving of all structures that need to take you towards that intimacy. There's, there's nowhere to go. There's no further to go. There's no deeper the, to go. The, the, the only... Um, uh, more refined intimacy, if I can call it that, that could be possible is meeting each other in death. Yeah, and that's an unknown. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and that's an unknown experience. That's an unknownness, and yet not an unknownness. Because when I say meeting each other in death, I mean meeting each other as silence. Yes. As silence which is the, the most profound existential silence, the most profound moment of that is the moment right. of death when the last out breath goes. And if we met each other in that, um, then, then that, that would be a refinement of this. But that silence is where we meet any, anyway. It's the silence in me that meets the silence in him. Not, not, not the, the narrative of my personality, that meets him, yeah. you know, although that's included. Yeah. Sure. We're totally free with each other. We, we don't hide anything. We're totally free. You know, I'm vulnerable and broken and fractured and tired and this and that and the other. And, you know, I'm not always <laughs> the enlightened teacher, but all of that is held within this. Yes. So that's one of the joys that, or let me say that, you know, 
that what Kavi has given me, if you like, or allowed in me, just as just as the love that I am has allowed him to, um, you know, see see the mechanism of triggers and and put down any uh, attempt to to defend or attack in that. What he's given me is um, he's given my 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 human self my relative self my personality absolute freedom to be as it is it's almost no, like he, it's almost like he's your muse yeah he i mean no, no man has done that yes yeah so even though he's 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 been triggered at times it's he, he's or he might you know yeah because i don't know little things i can't even remember what they are i would say that i have had the freedom on a personal level on a relative level to be absolutely my my silly self <laughs> yes i was going to say my intuition is that <laughs> that he fosters a, a delight yes so it's delightful so yeah. the joy that i feel as openness which is the joy of the absolute is also the joy of the personal and that is so important you know one of my favorite spiritual teachers I don't know if we've talked about him, if you're familiar with him. Uh, Hamid Ali, who writes under the pen name A.H. Almas. Ah, yeah. Diamond. I love what he talks about when he talks about the essential qualities of being. And, and most of them are impersonal, but there's one essential quality of being that's personal, that shows up when that's appropriate, that he calls the personal essence. And it basically is what I would call when someone is authentically expressing themselves as a human being. Mm. And I love his model because it, it points to a seamless integration it, between the, uh, you know, apparent polarity of uh, unity and individuality. And mm. um, so I love the way that that comes into play here in the conversation and um, you know, I want to make sure there's time for Kavi to uh, sprinkle his light on the conversation. <laughs> but I just want to say again how uh, powerful I think this conversation is because of the combination of the clarity of the distinctions combined with how it's grounded in your actual personal livingness is very, uh, very powerful. So. Kavi, I want to make sure there's time for you to riff however you'd like to. <laughs> it, the, one, of, one, of the, um, one of the reasons that in the whole of the, the teaching that Amoda does and that we, we or she even has only just started, you know, including that relationship in a new book. And we've dabbled around with the possibility in in years before this, but it's it's very difficult to quantify relationship. And and we've realised that through our own relationship, because there are so many aspects to it. There are so many dances, so many nuances, so much grace that you you, you kind of quickly any how to disappears, and. And it's only really because of recent conversations and that chapter in her book that that we've we've, we've been and I've been you know invited and kind of propelled willingly of course 
you know, to, to actually give articulation to it. And that articulation is, is not always easy, I, I find, you know, because of the everything that's already been coming up. It just, you know, the, the mind jumps to so many conclusions, so many judgments. Once it's so wrapped up, relationship is, is almost everything to us human beings. It's everything, you know. And, and, and so I just don't, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that anybody who, who watches this and listens to this, you know, sees that you know, we're, we're not setting ourselves up in any way as being the teachers of enlightened, awakened relationship. You know, it, it, it's just not like that. It's much more nuanced. It's much more complex, if you like. There, there is something that is happening in the relationship that I have with this woman. And I, I don't deny it anymore. There's no point in denying it. It's got something. It, I thought, so, so, so when you said, I mean, we'll come on to the sex thing in a minute, but when you, when you articulated that he's your muse, I'm an unusual person. I'm an unusual guy. I must admit, you know, I've been graced with an artistic, creative nature that makes me, in that sense, unique. That's not to say everybody else isn't unique, but I'm just, I've just stepped into some element of my uniqueness, largely because of this relationship. This relationship has been part of my burning it's burned me and burned me, invited me, demanded me, scolded me, forced me, coerced me, you know, teased me into the kind of surrender that I understand the awakening talks of. It wasn't a, a, a sudden full bloom for me. It was a gradual erosion of everything that stands in the way of the deepest surrender to love. And you know, I don't have this kind of, am I there? Am I not there? I, I couldn't really care less. I, I care that I, if there are moments that I retract from her, but not even from her, from love, from life, from experience, from my intimacy with all existence, then I attend to it as best I can, as quickly as I can. And and so there's a great forgiveness in that and there's a great grace and there's a great softness. And I bring that and I always did bring that, although roughly, coarsely and messily to this relationship. So my commitment right from the get go has always been to love. It's just that there was a mess of me standing right in the way. And one of the things that defines me, maybe from some other people, is that I just willingly, like Rumi, I just said, you know, take this all, take, take it. I don't know what to do with it because it makes me feel so sick and small and defended and, and, and weak to stand with this kind of prideful righteousness as if I'm right about something and that's so damn important. It was like when I let go of that and I accept that I'm wrong, I don't know, I'm just here, I'm, I'm open. It's such a relief for my, to, even to my masculinity. My masculinity, the, 
the cloak of masculinity just drifts down and dissolves. And then there's just heart. My, my heart becomes open. So in the, in the face of all that, David, sex became like it became like a futile attempt at, achieve, at trying to achieve what I actually am, what I was, what I, what I, what I experienced. It, you played it out. It became obtuse. Played it out, yeah. I, yeah. I feel played out. I mean, to yeah. be honest, in, in, in life, I'm a 59-year-old guy. I've dealt with my broken dreams. I've dealt with the wounds that I got from my my father and my mother and the whole of that sort of stuff. I've, I've, you know, it, it, it came at me because if you open the door to, to it and say, I'm here, and you keep that door open, it's going to come at you. Love comes at you. It does. It just, it, it wants to wash over you. And I just kept open, 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 open. And, and so it, the whole game on a certain level has played itself out. That's not to say there's any sense of perfection because I do have moments where I get, where I get triggered. I think that's the right word. I think it's triggered. It's just that there's no unconsciousness there in it anymore. There's a remnant in the body of some body armoring carried out from, because it's like a shadow that I've carried from, from, you know, years and years and years ago. And so there's a kind of reactivity to something that I might meet, you know, maybe a motor you know, something. And, but the, but the awareness now is so clean or clear that it's able to soften very quickly and just come into, into in, I guess, into presence. And in that, everything dissolves. So in that context, sex is not just, it's just played itself out. Right. Well, you know, your commitment, your story in the diner, in the cafe, to me, says it all. You know, your commitment to awareness, your commitment to love, your commitment to... Uh, let go of something that's not working for you, uh, your commitment, you know, that to me says it all. That's, that's, that's your love. That's your gift. And uh, I really get it. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that the two of you uh, found each other in this lifetime and that it's working so well for you and that you're in the space that you're in and that, Amoda is willing and able to uh, put it on the mat more and more as part of her teaching, I think is, is a wonderful thing. And um, I hope that this conversation um, has been uplifting for both of you. Can I, I, I actually would like to, if, if yeah. you don't mind, or, or when you've finished, I, yeah. I'd yeah. like to say something. Yeah, yeah no, no. I just, I, I'm not ending it. Yeah. But yeah. I just want to punctuate it so far, is I hope it's been very uplifting for both of you and enjoyable. And uh, it's really been, um, it's really been wonderful for me, both validating my journey as an individual and also, um, you know, I'm really a teacher at the core of my being, and I, I, I think that the clarity that I have, the greater clarity I have out of this conversation, plus the actual video and audio that will come out of this, will be extremely useful to many of my students, and uh, maybe to Amoda's as well. So, 
uh, you know, for me, it's been delightful. And I, I'm not wanting to cut anybody off, but uh, I did want to say that. And uh, we've got uh, probably a maximum of maybe 10 minutes left. And so I want to give you and Amoda the last words here, the chance to say whatever you'd like to say to uh, move things toward a powerful closure for this conversation. Yeah. Okay, I, I I do have something to say, and this is a is 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 about the context that I feel things in at this time in this um, evolutionary moment in in uh, you know of of societies and you know growth growthfulness, and that is something about the masculine and the feminine. One of the things that I that I feel deeply in my soul is that man, a human, a, a man, the masculine man, must serve something. He seems called always to serve something, and I, and, you know, and I, I look around and I see that men are serving money, greed, power, wealth, you know, ego, egoic pursuits, which may have served us for some time. And I think there's a calling now, personally, to 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 transcend that, to move away from that, to serve something deeper. And uh, and I feel that within me. And what's happened in this relationship? How? I don't really know. These, some of these things are beyond my understanding is that Amoda has represented and become for me the voice of, 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 of expression of the divine feminine energy that's coming through this planet and yearning to come through this planet at this time. And so she's got an incredible clarity. That's what I experience, a clarity to be able to teach. Heart is wide open. Her, her, it's, it, yeah, so what you what I said about that, you know, the experience in the cafe in London, that's exactly how she, how she is, both on an archetypal and a personal level. And, and, and what I've realized is that me and my masculine power, I longed and do long to serve something. And now I feel like a man who's in service to that without losing anything of himself without losing any of his power or his hum humility or his dignity or his pride, if you like. It's, you know, it's way deeper than that. And I think that's in the essence of our relationship and the essence of, 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 of my place within it is that I'm fully okay with being in service to that and facilitating the voice of the divine feminine, not from a woolly, woofy, you know, new age perspective, but something with a, a ferocity and a clarity saying there are new relationships to be had. There are new ways of relating to be had in this world, both from us to all and to each other in intimate relationship. And we need to get these conversations on the table and whatever I can do, however I can act, however I can get the conversation in, I will do that thing because, because it's important and it's important. It's beyond my own personal needs. But it Amen. Includes, Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the enrollment card? <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what I'm hearing you saying is you're in service to love. Exactly Absolutely. right. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly right. And Amoda is love. Yeah. And you're in service to love. Exactly right. And it feels it feels right. It, that's the thing about it. It just feels right. It's not coming from anywhere. It's not coming from any intellectual understanding. I couldn't care less about that. It just comes from some deep truth and some deep calling. And it's within it. us all. It's yeah. not special to me. It's within yeah. us all. And I get it. And I, I honor you. And, uh, um, and like I said, 
I'm sounding like a stuck record. It's wonderful that people will have this experience. It's just wonderful. Mamoda, do you want to take us home here? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to sort of uh, say what Kavi said in a slightly, you know, different way, um, or the same way. Um, you know, first of all, to say that we, we have in some way shied away from talking, you know, speaking directly about relationship, because like Kavi said, there's no formula here. There's no how to, this is beyond all that. And it's really not about, about us speaking about our personal relationship, although obviously that comes into it. So neither are we providing the tools uh, for people to, to, to have a better relationship. But there is an exploration going on here and there, there, are, there are definitely pointers that arise out of such conversations and, and out of my teaching that are directly related to my teaching of, of waking up out of the dream of separation and how that transforms uh, the world. And so it is relevant and more and more questions seem to be coming about relationship, uh, partly because it is the time, as Kavi says, for all relationships to be purified um, in, 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 the, in, the, in the light of love. And also probably as more people see uh, our personal relationship, you know, my relationship with Kavi, how, how that plays itself out or expresses itself in the world as, as we are exposed to more and more people. So a lot more questions are coming about that. So this feels like one of the first conversations where we're beginning to articulate some of these uh, delicate, profound and, and, and difficult to put into words nuances. Um, so first of all, I'm grateful for, for you instigating this, this conversation. And then the other thing is that, um, yes, this, 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 um, the masculine being in service to love is, um, as, as Kavi has been describing so powerfully and, and clearly is, is, is both within relationship and within ourselves. Mm. So in, in women too, we all have, uh, what we might call the, the, we can call it the masculine, let's to, to differentiate it between the feminine, which is receptivity and surrender, but that part of us that wants to defend or attack. Um, so in all of us, the new frequency, the new paradigm, which will ultimately transform all relationships beyond the idea of having a better relationship for myself, <laughs> that really will transform relationships so that our, our inner state is transformed and the state of humanity is transformed is when we're willing to put down our weapons of war. When we're willing in ourselves, whenever there is a trigger, whenever, and that trigger gives rise to reactivity, which is defense or attack, blame or shame, justification, um, you know, and, and so on and so on, and judgment and the closing down of the heart and withdrawal and retraction and all the games of manipulation, coercion, and so on that happen in a codependent relationship, which the majority of relationships are because that's what we've been trained to, to, to do. Um, when we're willing to put down those weapons of war in the midst of a trigger, in the midst of a trigger, that doesn't mean saying you're right, 
and I'm going to be a doormat in that, I'm going to be a victim of that. It means that the reactivity is seen, is felt, and we choose to surrender. We choose to soften. We choose towards to, to turn towards the tenderness of not knowing and remaining open in that as vulnerability. When each of us done, does that, then that transforms the masculine and feminine. That is the masculine bowing down to the feminine, not as a, 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 a in subservience, but so that the whole polarity dissolves within oneself. And that has enormous power for the transformation of personal relationship and for the transformation of all relationships in the world and our relationship to the world. So, um, you know, I, I sense that this is a new frequency that's coming through and therefore these conversations are rising up to, to, to point us to that. Yes. Um, I think let's let that be the last word for today. Mm. So thank you both so much. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much as well. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to a special edition or watching a special edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And this has been nothing if not a cutting edge conversation with my special guests, Amoda and Kavi. And uh, bless everyone. And with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.